Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is episode 66. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life for the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and it's also been an unconscious theme for most of my life. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. There's something contagious about someone who is contagious, uh, is courageous. <laughs> There's someone, let me say that again. There's something contagious about someone who is courageous. Today's show is with my friend and courageous guest, Craig Stilley. And Craig, age 50, is a resilient individual who has overcome significant challenges in his life, battling OCD and various anxiety disorders since the age of 16. Craig's determination has led him to earn his GED after leaving school in the ninth grade. And through a combination of medication and therapy, he has effectively managed his disorders. Seeking to escape, Craig turned to boxing at age 16, finding refuge and discipline in the sport. In 1993, Craig took his passion for boxing to new heights by establishing his own boxing gym. His dedication to the sport propelled him to organize his first sanctioned amateur boxing event at the tender age of 19, and also as a trainer and a manager. Outside the ring, Craig is a multifaceted entrepreneur, serving as the owner of a commercial paint contractor company and venturing into various other business endeavors. He's also a close friend and assistant to the legendary boxing champ, Evander Holyfield. In addition to his business ventures, Craig is involved in the film industry and recently celebrated the publication of his debut book, Fractured Realities. Beyond his professional pursuits, he's a vocal advocate for mental health awareness leveraging his own experiences to inspire and support others facing similar challenges. Craig Stilley embodies resilience, determination, and a passion for making a positive impact on the lives of others and in the realm of mental health. With that, let me welcome uh, welcome brother uh, Craig to the Live Courageously podcast show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. So, Craig, uh, two things I like to ask. Uh, the first one, we have never met personally, although we Kind of so I guess the question is how did we connect? Uh, and so I'll kind of shift it a little bit as to how we ended up coming into each other's lives. Well, uh, uh, remember you were involved with Termite Watkins uh, with his movie and everything, and I'd heard about you, and I think we just got each other's number somehow, and we started uh, make having phone conversations, just went from there. Yeah, I think that's how it, it was. That was our, uh, our connection, um, Termite, and I know you've had uh, been on Termite's podcast show as well. Um, the other question I, I like to always ask since the show is live courageously is what does that mean to you in your life, the idea of uh, living courageously? Well, it's, it's taking chances and, and, um, and overcoming things. You know, we, we all live with obstacles and things in our life and um, to not to give into the fear and don't get beat down when something happens that, you know, you can always come back from whatever uh, obstacle that, that's in your way. And so um, I believe in life to succeed in life, you have to be courageous. And, it, you know, like you said, at the beginning it doesn't mean the absence of fear. It means doing what you have to do in the face of fear or whatever it is that you're having to overcome. Well, I shared a little bit of your uh, backstory and your bio, but take us a little bit deeper. I mean, you grew up in a small town um, in, in Texas. I think this is it. Orange, mm -hmm. uh, yes, Texas. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the picture of it. And, uh, you know, you started out as a young man in that small town and tell us a little bit and take us into that journey of dealing with both getting into boxing as a young man, but why and the issues that were affecting you in your life that made you make that choice. 
Well, you know, at the time I was, uh, I sort of suffering uh, tremendously from OCD and different anxiety disorders, social anxiety, panic attacks. And so I started getting help and I, I wanted something to distract me. And there was no boxing in this area at the time, back in 1989 or 90, but a, a friend of mine was, uh, his dad was a professional boxer. So he started training me and I started doing backyard fights and uh, going around, uh, you know, fighting other people, the tough guys in backyards. And my teacher happened to be kin to a guy that I'd heard of. It was his uncle uh, named Dick Menchaca, a legendary trainer in my area. And uh, you can look him up on Wikipedia. And so uh, he told him about me and uh, thought I should turn it more into a something, you know, of a sport. And so I went over there and started training with him and we just hit it off and uh, started training. It was something to uh, distract me uh, from my, my mental uh, disorders at the time. Let me ask you a question about that, because, you know, here you were like 16 years old and you're dealing with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get deeper into this as we go along. Mm-hmm. But I- Imagine at that time there wasn't. Did you have an awareness of what that was and what you could do about it, or was there like that much of an awareness of that mental health issue in your family and your community uh, when you started to experience all that? No, there, there was. I didn't. I didn't actually know what was going on. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I just. I didn't know. My, I mean, it was. It wasn't like panic attacks. It just came every now and then. It was just a constant uh, um, doom, dread feeling. This uh, hopeless with panic attacks that were, you know, coming along and, and people really think of OCD like the movies, you know, to where you're, you're jumping over lines or cracks. And that is the case sometimes, but with mine, it was more of, uh, with OCD is, uh, reoccurring thoughts, intrusive thoughts, uh, scary thoughts that you can't get out of your mind and you start doing certain things mentally to try to relieve it. And, uh, it becomes very distressing. So to answer your question, no, I didn't know at the time until I finally, my parents, uh, brought me to a psychiatrist, uh, in the area and, uh, finally diagnosed me with what I had and, uh, you know, it was a trial and error after that with medications and just resilience. But to answer your question, I I didn't know, you know, I just thought I was losing my mind. And and between that help that your parents got you with therapy and you started to get into boxing, what did boxing give you to help you deal with that? What was so special about that that gave you uh, a tool uh, that was helpful to you? Well, you know, it seems kind of like a, um, you know, ironic boxing, you know, with fear and then that, but uh, I could relate to it because we're doing the training, you know, it would get my mind. That's the only time I could have peace. You know, it sounds crazy, but that's the only time I could have peace was when I was training in boxing. Um, But I didn't do it so much to be a tough guy. I did it because I thought if I could overcome my fear in the ring and stuff in these fights, I could overcome what was going on in my head. And so I would, I just delved into it. I could, in other words, I can relate to it because, you know, when you're having this mental, uh, this anxiety, you're by yourself. You know, there, there's really no one. It's not like football. Not, I love football, but it's not like you pass the ball and a guy helps you catch it. You know, in boxing, you're there by yourself. And so that I just related to it. And um, I, I've always thought that if I could, it taught me a lot, but it was a big distraction for me, uh, training in boxing. Like I say, that's the only time, I know it sounds crazy, but that's the only time that I could uh, find peace in my head. Now, did you, did you drop out of school uh, when you started boxing before? And how did that kind of go together with you starting to, you know, actually train as a boxer? Well, it was actually my, my second ninth, uh, ninth grade year. And uh, I'd already started boxing uh, the about the ending of the last year before in the summer, then starting into that year. That's my teacher told me about his uh, uncle. And then I eventually stopped school because I couldn't sit in class. I mean, it, 
the rooms felt like they were closing in on me. Uh, you know, just this overwhelming panic. I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. And so, uh, uh, I went home and was sort of working for my dad, uh, with the, with the paint company. And then once you started boxing, what would that look like for people who maybe who've never trained or don't understand what the regiment of, uh, you know, as a young person of uh, boxing, how often did you train? You know, uh, what was the training like for you? And kind of what did it give you both physically and mentally? What were some of the, the takeaways that you got from that experience? Well, you know, people think that, you know, boxing is two guys and they're fighting, but it's not like that. Like I try to explain to people. Imagine being so tired sometimes you're trying to bend over and take a breath there and a guy trying to take your head off at the same time. It's more of a mental game than it is actually physically. Because um, once you get in shape, you know, I've seen guys when I would train them come to the gym and they could run marathons and, you know, do this. And then 30 seconds into the first round, they're burnt out because of the mental pressure. And so um, uh, I love the mental part of the box and I love the training because it was you learn something new every day and, and the and I just excelled at it. I just started, I, I just had a knack for it. And I fell in love with the mental part of it. Like I say, the overcoming stuff, the having to overcome emotions and push yourself. And uh, it just, I, I just fell in love with it. And so you went on and you had some uh, amateur, you fought, uh, uh, amateur fights and you uh, did that for a while. And then you started to train, like you said, with your trainers. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that experience. Yeah, I was. Uh, I started out with sparring partners for my uh, coaches, uh, Dick Menchak, as uh, pros, and then uh, I fought some amateur fights. And then Ken I went to Kenny Weldon. We got to be good friends in uh, Galena Park, which is around an hour and forty-five minute drive from my house. So geographically, it was kind of impossible to go over there and train a lot. But I went as much as I could and learned a lot. And he took a liking to me and taught me a lot of stuff. And I thought, well, I'm just going to start a gym because it was really not much back at my house, back at home. So I started one and uh, opened it up at 19 and a couple of my buddies want me to train them. And I started training them and I had my own style and what Kenny taught me and Dick Menchak. And it just went from there. And I brought, you know, boxing back to my town. Well, it's kind of funny because you, uh, you know, you mentioned Kenny Weldon and um, I got a chance to actually meet him in Houston, Texas. And this is such a mm -hmm. small world. It's also how we connected. I'm going to throw this up. This is a, a show that you were on with a, a, our friend Termite Watkins, um, mm -hmm. and that's his podcast show in the ring. But mm -hmm. your connection with uh, Kenny and his connection with with Kenny, and I, I, I watched your your podcast show uh, with them, you know. And Termite shared a story about Kenny Weldon getting the actual ring that Muhammad Ali fought at at the Astrodome in uh, Houston, right. Texas, right? With Cleveland Williams, he fought Cleveland yeah. Williams. And, and so that ring ended up being over in Fighter Nation in Houston, Texas, which is where I got to meet and hang out with Termite and also to meet Kenny Weldon. And just I'm going to throw up a couple of pictures of us at the gym there and, and uh, with a couple of people in, uh, in that gym in Fighter Nation in Houston, Texas. Go, yeah, go ahead. one's a friend of mine, Reggie Johnson. Uh, we are four standing right there, the, the, the black man standing next to uh -huh. Reggie Johnson, three-time world champion. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah, great guy. It was a it was a pleasure meeting him as well. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously, we're going to talk about some of the people you know in the boxing world because you you've mm -hmm. had such a, a range of people you've uh, made friends of besides Evander Holyfield. But I'm gonna, just for fun because this is going to I'm gonna embarrass myself. But uh, uh, eight years ago, I actually you know I was down filming uh, some stuff with uh, Termite, and I got in the ring with him and did a little bit of uh, fun sparring. And like you said, I thought I was in somewhat good shape. I play basketball all the time. 
And boy, that few minutes in the ring, just playing was, mm -hmm. was the most strenuous stuff that I have experienced. Of course, I was uh, 40 pounds uh, overweight compared to now, but I'm going to throw that up real quick just because I, I think it'll be fun for the audience to just uh, look at this. So let me um, see if I can get this up on the screen. Here we go. There's Kenny right there, yeah. And that's me with Termite in the ring. Oh, you look like Kenny right there in the red at first. Yes, me though. 40 pounds overweight. I was not in the shape I am today. So I'm ready for a rematch with Termite. <laughs> but that was in that particular ring. And I'm not going to um, keep too much of this because I'm embarrassed showing it. But it was, doing, a, it was a lot okay. of fun. You know, you're it was a lot okay. of fun doing over, uh, with him and just, but you know, you know, from having actually done boxing for your lifetime, like, like I experienced, it's, it's very strenuous mentally and physically. Yes, it is. But then you went on, um, Craig, you went on um, from boxing yourself and then you started to train others. Mm -hmm. And tell us a little bit, what made you want to train and, and what did you bring as a trainer um, besides why you did it? You, what did you bring to the, the young men that you trained? Well, to me, it was such a life-changing, you know, experience boxing and what it did for me mentally and, you know, even spiritually, eventually, that I wanted to share that with others. I, you know, I wanted to teach it. I just, I, I love teaching it. I wanted people to, to learn the sport and um, and that type of stuff. So when I opened it up, it, 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 it was fun to better, you know, watch people and better teach them and watch them transform into a fighter. And then it also, as I got older doing it, it was good, you know, to help kids because I had a lot of, you know, boxing's a, sometimes you don't get, you know, you, you get some kids that have a rough time and it was good to, to impart in them what it did for me and watch it transform their lives. And um, eventually, you know, when I even got even older, it kept kids off the street, uh, built up their confidence. And people think boxing, you know, well, it's going to make them want to fight. It, it actually does opposite, you know, because when, when kids fight a lot in school, it's because they're angry or, lack of confidence or trying to prove something when they go in the ring and they, they do that, they don't have to fight They're You know, they, they feel very confident. And so it, I love that. And I love watching them win, I, you know, uh, give them, uh, watching them accomplish things they didn't think they could accomplish, you know? Well, well, I think what you're saying is so true because it's similar to you. I dropped out of high school when I was 15 years old in the South Bronx. Mm -hmm. And at the time I started studying, not boxing, but Kung Fu. And mm -hmm. once again, like you said, you know, you would think that those things would lead you to get into fights. And it was the exact opposite. It gave right. you it, it gave you discipline. It gave you confidence, but it gave you not a desire to get into fights. I mean, you only wanted to do it in the arena that you were supposed to do it uh, in, not outside in the streets. So right. it, 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 it kind of built up your character. And I think that's the other thing I think that you were doing with these young people. And maybe just speak a little bit more about that, Craig, because because not only were you getting them in shape physically, you were giving them, you were building their character, which is probably even more important than just the physical training. Yeah, uh, like even to this day, you know, I train a lot of people, but I'll have people on Facebook or I'll see them in Walmart and they'll tell me, hey, 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 coach, you know, you remember me? And I don't remember all the faces, but they'll tell me, hey, man, you made an impact in my life. You know, you changed my life and taught me 
you know, if I don't quit and, and to keep going, you know, I'll accomplish something. And I'm working at a plant now, you know, a chemical plant or or something like that and how they've uh, excelled in life. And, it, you know, that makes it all worth it, you know, because I really wasn't in it because even though I did make amateur champions and such that but it wasn't about that, because if you get in there thinking, oh, I'm going to have champions, you, you know, you're going to be discouraged a lot because, you know, it's a rare thing. But to see it affect lives and, you know, and help kids and stuff like that, you know, and other people and adults, you know, it's uh, it's really it really made it made a difference in my life, too. Well, Craig, what do you, what do you think today? You know, uh, both of us, obviously older, um, you know, seeing the young generation today, you know, it, it, it just seems like that lack of opportunity for physical training, whether it's boxing or sports or all the whole range of things. There isn't that much, you know, uh, young people don't seem to be into that as much, even though it has such value. It's almost like they've kind of moved in a direction that's a lot harmful to them. And, and then gets back to a conversation we're going to have a little deeper with the mental health issue, because people, mm -hmm. I think young people today got kind of trapped on social media and their computers. And that leads to even more uh, mental health issues. Right. You know, uh, like I, I think about that all the time when I'm driving down neighborhoods. You know, when I was a kid, we were always outside playing football, baseball, you know, doing something. And you don't see kids doing it anymore. Like you say, their, their phones, social media and things like that. And uh, it seems like they've gotten kind of uh, laxadays. I, I, you know, they don't want to put forth any effort in anything. You know, they want things given to them. And um, I think that's what's good about Fighter Nation and uh, different gyms like that is they do get the kids you know, and, and show them that there's more to the life than just Facebook and social media and playing on video games, you know, and a lot of kids nowadays, um, they're trapped behind that. And I, I feel they don't, they don't have a meaning in life anymore. You know, it's, it's all about social media rather than a meaning of, of work ethic and, you know, uh, putting your, you know, getting into something that's uh, bigger than you. Well, you've kind of expanded that in your own life in a couple of different ways. And I'm going to ask you about some of that too, but you know, you're right, because you look at uh, today, all our branches of the military are having a hard time recruiting young people because it, so many of them are not in physical shape to be in, in, in the military uh, besides not having a desire. But, but you know, you look at yourself having a sense of purpose and mission. So you kind of had a purpose with boxing and then training young people with boxing. But then you also went on to be an entrepreneur and start a business. And that too, you know, for somebody who is a, a ninth grade uh, a dropout and then getting a GED, and I, I relate to that myself, dropping out of high school and then finally going back, you didn't kind of give up. You kind of moved forward, both in physical, but also in business. So tell us a little bit about that and that journey that led you to be an entrepreneur um, and, and took you to, you know, down the world of building a business. Well, you know, I always loved to read and study. That was always my interest. You know, school is just uh, something that and with the anxiety and stuff, I couldn't, uh, you know, function good. But my dad, I had a father, uh, luckily, that didn't just let you sit around. You know, he his exact words when I come home from school from, you know, quitting, he was sitting there. And my dad actually owned a commercial paint contracting company at the time. And he said, what are you doing home from school? I said, I don't want to go back to school. I can't, you know, he said, well, sit down on the couch. And I was sitting there, the morning show was on, you know, he was sitting there uh, about to get ready to uh, get dressed and go to work. He said, when I get, he goes, most kids have their high school years and their summer years to figure out what they want to do with their life. They said, you got 30 minutes. He said, by the time <laughs> I get out of the shower, he said, by the time I get out of the shower, 
and, and get dressed. You're going to tell me what you want to do with your life. You want to go back to school or go to work. So I sat there and thought about my whole life. He got out. He said, what do you want to do? I said, go to work. He said, go put your work clothes on. This is what you're going to do the rest of your life. And uh, that was that was it, you know. And so um, going and working, you know, transitioning from one day, you know, to your mindset of being in school and everything to, you know, it's the real world. My dad's like, you know, you're paying your own food and such uh, was a big transition. But uh, I just I worked my way up the ladder. And and when I loved reading philosophy, and I read what Plato said one time. He said, "It's better to be unborn than untaught, for ignorance is the root of all misfortune." And so it hit me. And so I just started studying. I couldn't count change until could, I was twenty-two. Could you repeat that one more time, please? The the quote. Yeah, from Plato. Yeah, it was my Plato it said, "It's better to be unborn than untaught, for ignorance is the root of all misfortune." And so I couldn't count change until I was about twenty twenty-one years old. You know, so uh, I go to McDonald's. They wanted two dollars and forty three. I give them three dollars. You know, so I got I got a I had my old class book and I started studying the math myself and sort of getting interested in things. And I taught myself, um, you know, all that kind of stuff and reading and studying as much as I could. And uh, then just kept working and, and learning the trade and uh, just studying everything I could get my hands on. You know, I, I think that, too, is something. Um that's a great life lessons for people because you, you know, you, you both your dad giving you that to make that decision in 30 minutes and that, uh, you know, creating a, dis, uh, uh, that you have to make things happen yourself. You have to, you have to work, you have to build a work ethic. You have to do those things. You know, some people will look at that and say, Oh, that was hard, but that hard gave you the ability to become who you are today. It gave you the strength out of hard came strength because you overcame. And, and I think that's one thing that I know from, what, what I've read about your life and, and paid attention to is that that you're an overcomer and you overcome on di so many different levels. But that's part of, of uh, how we get stronger in life is that when things are challenging, you overcome them. Well, you know, it's just like working out. You know, you, you don't like the resistance. It hurts. But that's the only way you're going to get stronger. You know, when you start viewing it like that, instead of my dad, I would go home as a kid and I'd say, Dad, I have bad luck. He said, son, you make your own luck. He said, 98% of the time you make your own look. Or if I say, dad, I want to do this. He said, well, go do it. You can say, you got to go make things happen. And so he instilled that when I was young, you know, is that if you want to do something, you got to go make it happen. And so whatever I wanted to do, I would just, it was just instilled in me. I, I didn't believe I couldn't, you know, I always believed I could do it. And uh, so, you know, I was fortunate to have that instilled in me. Yeah, you were very fortunate. Unfortunately, I think nowadays a lot of people don't have that message, whether it's coming from their parents or coming from society, telling them uh, to do that, you know, and and the other side of, you know, being a, a lifelong learner, like, you you know, you suggest that's, that's the same thing with me. When I dropped out of high school, I went on a learning journey and I started to read and I loved I fell in love with reading and, and studying because I didn't like school, but I like learning. And they right. weren't the same. They weren't the same. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and, and if you are a lifelong learner, you get to do what you did. You start to learn the things you don't know and you start to, you know, find a way to make them happen. Um, and right. that's I think that's a lesson, you know, from your life. I think that anybody can uh, walk away with and say, yeah, that's something to uh, model for sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I didn't know anything about business, but I paid attention to my dad. You know, I started studying business and paying attention. And, you know, like anything, I, people always ask me, what's the success of business? But. I think it's 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 a dynamic, but I believe that the two most important thing is determination and a, a creative imagination. I believe to have a creative imagination and determination 
is the key factors. You know, there's other things uh, that play a part, but to better see things, to have a vision and better see it, you know, then have the determination to bring it to fruition. You know, I don't, I don't take uh, just, you got to take risk, but I don't take uncalculated risk. You know, I think about things, but when I think about it, there's no turning back. I'm going to accomplish it. You know, and obstacles to me is where it makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. Um, you know, I just kind of I'm going to pivot back and then come forward again. But, you know, your your, your boxing journey uh, behind you, you have a, a pair of boxing gloves hanging to the. Um, oh, that was behind, back there. Right, yeah, yeah, right back there. Yeah. Tell tell us tell because you know part of your journey obviously has been the boxing journey and then the people you've gotten to work with know have friends in life but take us from that pair of gloves there why are they special why are they hanging well, Dick, that that was my first pair of gloves that I owned Dick Manchaka gave them to me and they were they were they were old back then you know and, and kids these days you know they want the the nice fancy gloves I mean if you notice they got tape around the thumb I mean you know my thumb would go through them and he put tape around them. You know, when uh, I remember my, I would hit uh, when I was about to quit school, my hands would hurt me so bad from hitting the heavy bag. I couldn't hold a pencil in my hand, you know, but uh, I kept going. And, uh, you know, it just those gloves, just you know, kept they I kept them. They were just that was my father. So excited to get the first pair of gloves. And um, and what was your other question besides that? Oh, I, I, I'm going to take you a little further to, to some of the people you've met because oh, okay. of that journey. But before we mm -hmm. even go there. Yeah, like you said, I'm going to just ask you another question. Like, what would your would you say your um, biggest lessons or the biggest things you uh, um, learned uh, being trained as as a boxer and being in the ring? What were the uh, the takeaways that you came away as a young man with from that experience? Well, you know, I mean, it, it takes discipline, and 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 you can't quit in boxing. You know, I mean, if you if you you can quit you know you got three kinds of people you got some that quit you got some that survive and some that try to overcome and and you know win and so uh i always i i didn't want to quit because i felt if i quit i would get in the habit of quitting and this in this mental ocd anxiety would overtake me and so uh you know i just took what i learned i looked at life as like boxing so what i took what i learned in there is you know keep going keep pushing don't quit and bringing that into life you know uh and transition that into life and um, so it was, it was, it was paramount, you know, the, that, that attitude. And, and taking that attitude, I mean, you, you went on, like I said, training, you've met a lot of uh, uh, famous boxers, a lot of different celebrities. You've had a, uh, a colorful life because of your experience. I'm going to throw up a picture of you with, with a bunch of people and feel free to share some of the stories if you like with any of them. These are some of the people that have run in your life. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. You, where'd you get them off my Facebook? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's me and Evander up at the top at a uh, Mark Wahlberg celebrity charity event. And the second one was uh, me and Mark and uh, my date for the night. And the other ones uh, when I was in uh, Evander's wedding to the right of that. And Michael Nunn down there, he's Michael Nunn that was world champions, a real good friend of mine. And I got him to better go to Mark Wahlberg celebrity charity event this past year. And then the bottom other one with Sugar Ray Leonard and Evander that was at a, a, a deal to raise money uh, for Mark's uh, uh, charity event. And that's uh, to the right is Kenny Anderson. That's a real good friend of mine, a celebrity that was a basketball player. And Raymond Arroyo, uh, Fox News analyst. And, you know, it's a, you can't miss Evander. And that was the guy that was gambling in the middle and Sugar Ray, which is a friend of mine, and Bob Wahlberg. And my one of my good buddies, 
to the left of Bob Wahlberg's uh, Bronco McCart that was a champion of the world, but it kind of cut his face in half. But uh, yeah, a bunch of great guys right there. Uh, that's uh, that was, was go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say they're just to name some other ones, but uh, that's Ron Harper in the back of Bob Harper, uh, uh, Bob uh, Wahlberg right there that was a basketball player. All a bunch of good guys. And, you know, uh, besides knowing all these great guys and people, um, some of these events that you're at and you're talking about are charity events for different charities, which you clearly have a uh, – it's part of who you are, your identity to be involved in things like that that, that uh, are about service to others. Tell us a little bit about what role that plays in your life and that, and that philosophy of uh, serving others, not just yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing in life. You know, as people ask me what success is, you know, and I believe that success is about yourself, but I want to be great. And I believe great is when you help other people, you know, because um, that's what everything's about. You know, like if you, when you help somebody up a mountain, you'll be there yourself. And so I'm always just trying to help other people and, and talk to them. I'm you know, like a about mental health uh, advocate that people that have mental health problems. I try to get them the help they need and encourage them. And uh, in these events, that, that particular event for March for uh, the youth for uh, drug prevention and stuff like that with Jay Feldman, that's the CEO of, his, uh, of Mark Wahlberg Automotive. They put it on every year. And uh, so it's, it's a good thing to go to and, and, you know, to give back and to help kids and, you know, uh, bring people there to try to, uh, you know, get more money so it can be used to help the youth. And then just a couple other quick pictures. These are just uh, some other folks with you right here. Yeah, that's uh, Tommy the Hitman Hires and uh, and Ray. Yeah, right there. We're at uh, Mark, uh, Jay Feldman's uh, Mediterranean Restaurant. Great place uh, in uh, Michigan. Great, great food. Jay's a great and, guy. And then there's a picture with a dear friend of mine and you, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, he's a great guy, man. That's just the nicest guy right there. He played Hercules. Yeah, I like Kevin. He's just a real nice guy. Yeah, he's yeah. fantastic. We did two movies yeah. together in Canada. Hopefully we'll get to do some more in the future. But yeah, very yeah. special human being. Once again, somebody who gives back and does things to help others. Right. Very humble tell guy. Us, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, it's a pleasure working with him. Um, mm -hmm. But tell us a little story. You, you know, you're close to Vanda Holyfield. Any, any stories that jump out from that world before we start to move forward into some of the stuff you're doing today and a little deeper into the mental health issues? But uh, any stories from this boxing world that you would like to share before we go forward? You know, Evander, before I ever met Evander, you know, I turned my life to the Lord because of Evander in 96 when he fought Mike Tyson. Uh, and it's it's amazing how God works, you know, brought us together and we're the best of friends. But yeah, I love his stories. And, and he's a very wise guy. You know, I mean, he's, he has a lot of wisdom. And uh, and he told me something one time. It just it, it really it, uh, it resonated with me when he said, I asked him one time, I said, what was it like to lose your, you know, your first fight, you know, like that? He says, I don't lose. Oh, yeah, Evander, you know, you lost. He goes, no, no. He said, I just don't get the decision sometimes. You lose when you quit. And I love that. You know, I love that about life is that, you know, it made sense is that I just didn't get the decision. You only lose when you quit, you know, and I, I just, it, his story's funny. Like one of it, one of the stories I love is uh, we were talking one time and he said, you know, when I was a kid, you know, he said, uh, uh I went to the boys and girls club, you know, it was, a, it was a white man owned it and everything. I was like eight. He said, I didn't, you know, my, my mama let me go. And he said, I didn't have any shoes and dirty trunks, my hair all nappy, you know? And he said, I went there and, uh, my, he said, my older brothers always try to tell me, you know, that, uh, white kids can't, you know, can't punch, can't fight. 
He said, I didn't know. You know, my other brothers told me that. He said, so I go there and he said, uh, I fight my fights. I'm winning. And he said, you know, these kids, these white guys, these kids are being these nice trunks and crew cut and mom and dad, they're expensive stuff. He said, I'd hit them and they start crying. You know, he said, okay. He said, to one day, <laughs> he said, uh, uh, Cecil, uh, Cecil Collins. He said, man, I noticed it was something different about Cecil. He said he didn't have any shoes on. He said he had dirty trunks. His hair was nappy. He wasn't smiling. His mom and daddy wasn't there. He says, so I go up there. I hit him. He says, Cecil Collins whooped my butt. And he said, I went home crying. He said, Mama, I quit. She said, she tore my butt up, said, you get your butt back to that gym. But I don't raise a quitter. He says, so I started fighting. He said, my first time. He goes, the second time I fought, he said, they matched me with Cecil Collins again. He said, Cecil whooped me again. He said, I run home. He said, but I hid this time. I didn't want my mama to know. He said, but she found out, whipped my butt, sent me back, said, you don't quit. So I fought, and he said, my first tournament, he said, I'm, I'm going in there, and I'm worried about Cecil Collins. He said, so I I'm look everywhere, and I'm going to get a weight and put him underwear, so I'll be a little heavier than him. He said, but I didn't see Cecil. He said, first night I won, second night I won, third night I won, fourth night, Cecil Collins. He said, I got in there, and he said, I beat Cecil, and I run home to my mama. He said, Mama, I won, I won. She goes, now you can quit. And so – I always love, I love hearing him tell that story because it's funny the way he tells it. Yeah. It's, uh, that, he, that, yeah. That is a good story, man. That yeah. is. The uh, way he tells it's hilarious. And then, of course, just the message of it, right? Both his his mama uh, not letting him quit until he won and not being a quitter, yeah. right? Um, right. That, that message, you know, and, and that applies to everything in life. Um, obviously, it's not just, you know, it's not just being in the ring. It's not just boxing. It's about all the things that we do in life where you mm -hmm. can either choose to quit or you can choose to grow and go on. And like you said, and the lesson from him saying that you didn't lose, you just didn't get the decision. Well, that's a great mm -hmm. message for life, isn't it? Because it is, you know, we don't always get the decision. Yeah. If you didn't make the sale or you didn't get the, the success that moment, that didn't mean you lost. It just mean you didn't get the decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and one of my favorite quotes is by Booker T. Washington. He said, it's not necessarily the success one has achieved in life, but the obstacles one has to overcome while trying to succeed. And I love that quote. That's probably my favorite quote. Because when I talk to people and they tell me what they accomplished, that has impressed me as much as what did it take you to get there? What did you have to overcome to get there? You know, that's what inspires me, you know, is the, is the struggles you have to overcome to get to where you got. You know, and that's, that's to me, is everything. Well, you know, I think, you know, I always look to it my life and I think kind of uh, uh, echoes your life is that I look back and I grew up in poverty and in and, and, and the ghetto. And, um, you know, when I look back on my life, people say, well, you had it hard. And I'm like, no, I had it good because, I, you know, I feel like that was a blessing for me because I found a way to overcome all those things I didn't have, where if I was born privileged with everything, I'd probably be a weak person that wouldn't have grown and got strong at just about anything. So sometimes right. the question is not having things isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, if you can take that and overcome and find a way forward and not give up. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, that's the way I look at things. You, you don't know what's really a blessing in disguise. You know I mean? Uh, uh, things happen. We don't understand it about, but it ends up working out for the best. It was, it was a story about a, a guy that was a bowler, true story is a professional bowler. And so, he was going to break the record for rolling three games, you know, tournament deals, you know, with uh, all strikes. So he'd done it two times. He was going to do it the third time as the last roll. And this guy would get excited, man. He'd jump up and down and holler. And so when he went to roll his last uh, roll, 
if it had done it broke the world's record he knocked them all down but one pin so he got depressed man he's like why you know why well two weeks later he had a heart attack and when he went to the doctor they said if you'd have made that strike the way you get so excited to kill you on spot you know wow. so sometimes we don't understand the things that happen in our life are really for our for our you know that's why you got to take everything and just be glad that you know and uh look at take it in perspective yeah, I have a quote that I always say about life is, you know, is this good or bad? Maybe yes, maybe no. Because you don't know, right? You don't have that perspective. You don't have the distance to say, is this happened to me? Is it a bad thing? Or maybe it's going to turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Or is it a good thing? You don't know in the moment. It might look good. It might look bad. But you really don't know. And that's that perspective you're saying. And I agree with you. Um, let me just jump back again. You mentioned in uh, 96, um, you said you found the Lord and that, um, what was that about? Why and what got you to, you know, to do that and how did that impact your life going forward? Well, I, I was, you know, I was, I was having anxiety. I was on medication. I really wasn't working good. The, the anxiety and OCD would come back. I was kind of just wandering along, you know, and had no direction. And uh, Evander had always been my favorite fighter since when I was in fourth grade, I watched him in the Olympics. And I don't know what it was about him, but he became, you know, even when I wasn't a boxing enthusiast, I always just liked Evander. And so huh. I watched every one of his fights. You know, I'd stay home when he watched Michael Dokes when he was going to transition, you know, uh, to, to prove himself in the heavyweight division uh, since he was, you know, a light heavyweight. And um, so when he, you know, Tyson, when they were supposed to fight the first time in 91, Tyson went to prison. Evander kept fighting. He was fighting all them wars. He's sort of looking kind of washed up. Tyson gets out of prison. He's knocking everybody out, becomes WBA champion. They match him up. And I'm thinking, Evander, what are you doing, man? You're going to get killed. You know what I mean? This guy's going to kill you. Just retire. And so he gets on there, you know, and everybody, he was a 27 to 100 dog. The whole world thought he was going to lose. You know, even worried about his health. And so he'd get on there, you know, Evander's humble. He'd say, I'm going to win. I have the Holy Spirit. You know, this is my platform to reach people, and I'm going to win by KO. And I'm thinking, this guy's done got fanatical. You know, he's been hit too many times. Tell me, come on, man. <laughs> and so so I have, I'm have i having a going away party. I have everybody come to my house, you know, we're going to watch Evander go. And so uh, I'm watching this fight, and it no longer becomes a fight anymore when I'm watching this thing. It's, um, I, I've tried to explain it to people. It, it, it's a, it was a spiritual experience, experience, watching him handle Mike Tyson, you know, till eventually he knocks Mike Tyson out. And when he got up there, I was kind of mesmerized. And when he got up there, Freddie Pacheco, I'll never forget it, when he says, Evander, how did you pull off this upset? And Evander said, because I'm led by the Spirit of God. You know, he said, well, let's get off God. Hopefully God's here for everybody. How did you do, you know, how did you pull this off? He goes, he kind of grinned at first. He says, because I'm led by the Spirit of God. He said, I'm washed up. But with Jesus Christ, I'm not washed up. And I said, I want what he's got. And wow. so, yeah, so, you know, it took me some while praying. And I eventually, uh, you know, changed my life and turned it to Lord. And that's when everything just, you know, it went hunky-dory, you know. But sure. that's when it gave, it gave me a meaning, you know. Wow. And I, I believe, yeah. And it goes on even further than that. We just don't have the time to talk about it all, you know. <laughs> well, I, I, we may squeeze in a little bit more, but obviously, it's you. You, you kind of move forward with a bunch of things, um, and let's just jump to some of them, and then we may even come back to this if we have more time. But I want to make sure we get to some of the things that, and I'm gonna throw up two different things right here. Uh, this is um, a trailer, a teaser that you filmed for a movie about your life. And then on the uh, other side is a, a book that just is on Amazon now, a new book that you just did. And let me just mm -hmm. take that down so we can see it. Um, right. And uh, tell us about 
Well, both of them. But start, start, let's start with the, the, the film idea and the movie. And then I'm going to play a little bit of a, a teaser that you filmed so, so the audience can see that. So tell us a little bit about that. And I know that you have some title changes involved in that as well. So share that. Yeah, the, the, the Against the Ropes is the working title. A good friend of mine, uh, Jackie Kellen, had a movie called Against the Ropes. And uh, I don't want to get him confused or anything. Hers come out first. So it had changed. That's just a working title. But it's a it's a it's a movie uh, about an aspect of my life about boxing is based on it. And um, it's it's not a boxing show. It has boxing in it, but it shows uh, the, the backdrop of boxing, what takes place, you know, behind the scenes and things like that. And some experiences that I experienced in boxing. And so uh, I felt compelled to to show it. And so I made the sizzle, you know, to, as a it's a teaser to, to gain producers, uh, uh, you know, gain traction and attention along with the treatment. And so I put that together. And, and let me ask you, uh, you know, once again, that, you know, given your background, that was um, a step outside the comfort zone, uh, maybe a step into a new endeavor for yourself. What kind of gave you the idea to want to do that? And then, you know, what gave you the strength to keep going to the point where you were actually able to make that happen with the teaser? Well, you know, I, 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 I just felt compelled to do it. You know, I felt that uh, that's the direction the Lord wanted me to go. And so uh, I didn't know anything. I didn't know a cinema photographer from a, from a hole in the ground. But I started <laughs> doing my research. I started studying, you know, and doing my research. And I got a hold of some people and uh, started getting on the right track. I said, I'm going to make it, you know, and people and people came in my life, you know, that, that, that were a blessing to me. And uh, a guy named Tommy Warren, I don't know if you know Tommy, uh, he's, he's a very, very, uh, just an amazing guy uh, in the film industry. He, uh, he actually owns the biggest production studio in the state of Texas. And so mm. he started advising me on things and uh, helped me get going. And, you know, I told him, I said, he said, well, you know, he was being kind of pragmatic about the odds. I said, man, I don't quit. You know, I mean, I won't quit. I'm, I'm going to do it. So I sort of studied it and made it. And, uh, you know, I think it turned out well and uh, it's got me some traction. I have a producer and everything and uh, just trying to get the finance and, you know, to, uh, like everything else, you know, that's the, the, the hurdle and get the finance and to, to uh, put it all together. Yeah, I remember we had talked uh, way back when. I don't even remember when, but you, you, oh, you were on a couple that. couple of years ago. Yeah, you were on that journey. And, I was, and, and, you know, like you said, you know, you told him, you also told me back then you don't quit and, you, you know, you were going to make it happen and you did. So while with that, let me just uh, put it up and so people can see this uh, uh, teaser for uh, the story. Uh,
Good job, man. Uh, well you. done. Well done. Um, Thank you. Uh, once again, you mentioned earlier, and just to share with the audience the story, it's 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 uh, the goal of it is to make a feature film, and it's not like you mentioned. It's in the world of boxing, but it's not your traditional. It's not a boxing movie. It's not right. like a Rocky story. It's no. something. It's something deeper and has mm -hmm. a lot more of uh, the elements of your life and message that you want to share. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, like in the scenes where it showed the lady writing, that's, that's obviously, you know, that's my psychologist talking to me and everything and going through problems with my anxiety. And that was me as a young, you know, kid getting bullied and uh, kind of coming up through it. I don't want to reveal too much about it, you know, about the show, but uh, it takes place, the struggle, you know, that I was going through along in the boxing world and putting the story together about, um, you know, dealing with the with uh, some of the unscrupulous people in, in, in boxing you know, that you have to deal with in the business aspect of it. And um, it just, I think it's a good story of uh, overcoming and uh, and how things work in boxing and, and perseverance. And, and you're, you know, you're working to make this a reality, to go from that uh, teaser to actually making a feature film. And you're, like you said, you have a producer and you're still yes. working. And if anybody is interested in getting involved, supporting it, um, Helping with financing, helping with whatever. Uh, where would they contact you? Uh, C Enterprises at gmail.com. Or you can look me up on Facebook, Craig Stilly. I don't want to give out my number because one time I did a podcast and the guy put my don't number do that. Up there and I got don't do that. I got everybody, man. Everybody was blowing my phone up with all kinds of stuff. So that's that's the best yeah. ways to contact me right there. So uh yeah, so your email and then also your uh, on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, you can you can find yeah. me on there, Craig Stilly. Gotcha, yes. gotcha. And then then the next thing was, um, you know, besides this, just with this, like I said, people can uh, reach out to you, support it, and uh, we look forward to it. But a big part of it is dealing with some of the issues of your life. And then just recently, you know, you came out with this uh, uh, your book, um, mm -hmm. and that I think I I threw up, but I'm gonna throw it up again. And that's uh, right here. Mm -hmm. And Back now this is, on, yeah. And tell us about this. What what is this about? I had a chance to read it. It's on Amazon now, I believe. So mm -hmm. tell us why did why this? Why did you write this? What is it? Um, share uh, what it what it's about with the audience. It's a psychological thriller. It's a uh, it's a suspense. It's fiction. And um, I always had these these stories in my head. You know that that I would want to do in the movies and everything. And you know, and uh, Tommy Warren was, again, that's the one that I uh, uh, dedicate the book to. He gave me the idea, you know, I was like, he's like, just write the book. You know, and I thought, yeah, instead of sitting back, you know, just waiting for a screenplay or something like that, I'll just start writing my book. And I didn't know how to write a book. You know, I never done that, took on that endeavor. And I kept asking, I read books, how to write books, you know, what people do and getting caught up on things. And Tommy kept saying, Craig, just tell your story. Don't worry about other people do it. Just write it. So finally, I sat down one day and I just said, I'm going to write my book. And I just started writing and just it became free. I didn't worry about the names. I just have a, a name of reference like Bob, you know, or whoever and put it down and just really found out that I had a, a, a talent for it. You know, it was, it was really um, it was a, a really it was kind of like I could it was a relief, you know, like I finally get my stories out and I can do it myself. And so um, I went with it and got an editor and got it going and. Finally got it published, you know, it's just a another feather in my hat, you know, and now I have three other stories um, that I'm I have another book I'm almost finished with with the skeleton part 
that I have to go back and and uh, it's a romance story uh, that I have two other uh, books I'm gonna work on after it. So they can get uh, this one on Amazon, Fractured Reality, correct? And, oh, the Kendall Lee books. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right, it's Kendall Lee books now. I'm, I'm in the process right now of getting the uh, books printed. Yes. Oh, okay. But you can get on Kendall Lee books right now, yes. Excellent. Uh, yeah, and, and I, uh, I'll i put it up later on uh, after the show's over, uh, the stuff you give me b- below. But I, I definitely uh, recommend it. Uh, it's well-written. Um, congratulations. It's Thank not you. easy. It's not easy to write it. What was that like for you? I mean, obviously the process of writing it, it you know, be, being not a writer and then making the decision and just doing it. Man, it was really one, once I got my 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 way of doing it down, it was really it was it was fun. You know, it was it was. But I, I, I'm, I'm very descriptive, you know, as you, as you read it and everything. And so I had to get in that world because you know, it's a psychological thriller. You know, it, it was a strange place. But. I liked it. I liked putting it together. It was frustrating sometimes of, of you know, doing things because I believe writer, writer's block is just laziness, you know, is the person that you got to you got to stay at it. You know, like Einstein said, it's not that I'm any smarter than anybody else. I just I stay with the problem longer. And so it's pushing through it. And and so uh, um, it, it, I loved it, you know, putting it, seeing it in your head, you know what I mean? And just putting it down on paper and other people feeling the feeling that you want to give them and seeing the vision and everything. It's just it's amazing. And so I'm excited about my next one. I'm about 98% with the skeleton of it. I just can't wait to keep going with it, you know? Well, you know, I, I uh, definitely congratulate you on A, producing it and on the writing because, you know, I don't really read um, much psychological thrillers or anything, but when you asked me to read it, I was like, yeah, of course. And then when I read it, I was like, wow, this is freaking good, man. Um, you know, <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> so, you know, it was... Uh, and it surprised me. I didn't expect, you know, and that's the nature of it. You actually did what the purpose of it was making a thriller where you don't know what's going to happen and you just engage going, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Um, but yeah, congratulations on that, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, and, and best with the the other stuff that you get with your next one. I look forward to reading that as well and, uh, and sharing that with people. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, uh, a big part of uh, as we get close, we got to think a, a little bit about ten minutes left. Um, okay. A big part of your message and your purpose and mission is to deal with the issue of mental health and help others and to share your healing journey, your uh, therapeutic journey throughout life, dealing with that issue. So why don't we take a little bit and and why don't you uh, share some of that with the audience and how important that is to you and what you're trying to do. In, in that realm yeah um you know it, it's never you get to a point to where you're like oh i'm healed you know what i mean uh, i have to do things every day to, to um you know i work out to help myself and try to stay positive i take medication that's very very effective um go to my psychologist you know and check in with my psychiatrist and stay on top of things you know it's a it's a it's a something you got to stay on top of but you know i like try, i like to let people know you know there's there's help out there and yet people, you know, medicine don't work, you know, this and that. But what I like to explain about mental health, is like cars going down the road at night. You know, you see these cars and they put their brakes on. You see the brake lights come on, the cars slow down. All the all of them look the same. But if you go in the car and ask each driver why they did it, someone say, well, I dropped my cell phone. Another might have said there was a bump in the road. And it's kind of like that with mental health is that even though all the symptoms look the same, there's different reasons causing it inside. And so what works for one person might not work with the other, you know, but, but if you stay at it 
and, and you keep going and don't give up, there is hope and you can get better. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, once you get the momentum going, you can learn to, you know, uh, to manage it. You might not ever cure it, but you can manage it. It just depends on how fast you catch it and uh, exactly what the diagnosis is. But I'm very much on trying to educate people to get help, but that helps out there. And that alcohol and drugs is not the answer. Uh, that just makes it worse. You know, it, it ends up, you have more problems and that uh, you can get better, you know, and that um, it, it doesn't mean you're weak. If anything, you know, dealing with that stuff makes you strong. It's not a weakness. You know, men, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. Well, it's just like if you get a liver problem, you know, you don't mind going to the liver doctor. If you get COVID or the flu, you go to the, you know, the, the brain is an organ like anything else that can, you know, uh, get sick. And there's doctors out there, you know, we're, we're not 100%, you know, the brain's the last frontier. Uh, we're trying to figure it out, but we're scratching the surface. We're starting to, to get a better understanding of it, you know, and um, it's, it's very, we're in an exciting time of, uh, of having, you know, with this. Well, I think, you know, what you just said and what you always share, we clearly um, trying to self-medicate with alcohol and drugs is the worst uh, thing to do because that has no positive outcome. Um, no, and, and like, you know, and, and trying to get help, uh, you know, and I think you're right, especially for men, you know, to, it takes courage to admit you need help. You know, because there's that, you know, we're raised with, you know, we got to do it all by ourselves. We got to be tough. We got to be this. We got to be that. But, you know, when you have an issue, whatever that issue is, uh, getting the help to deal with it is courage. It's not it's not weakness. It's courage. Yeah. Um, and like, a, you know, I love the philosopher. I believe it's Kicker Garrard that said that being oneself is the opposite of despair. The despair is choosing to be other than oneself. And so when you can be vulnerable and open up and admit, you know, and accept what you have and uh, be okay with it, the better you are. You know, I believe life's a journey of self-actualization and um, and learning about yourself. You'll never be there 100%, but it's the journey. And, um, you know, and look at it like that. Yeah, and like you said, too, in, in the uh, metaphor of the driving in the cars, each person is different. Each person has a different experience, and it may look similar, but it's different. So, you know, we are what we are and, you know, it, you may not like it or may not want it to be what it is, but it is what it is. And then the question is, what are you going to do about it? And are you going to get the help or not get the help? And then it comes down to the choices you make at that point. You know, are you going to try and find a way to to uh, deal with this issue and, 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 and uh, overcome it as best you can or you're not? And that's where you have a choice. And making the right choice will lead to either a positive or a negative outcome. Right. You know, and that's, that's everything. You know, you might not better, you know, I love reading about Victor Frankel. He's one of my best, you know, one of my favorite psychiatrists, philosophers. He tries Amazing. to say, the, uh, you've read Victor. I, I love his Oh, stuff. yeah, and absolutely. His, his Powerful whole thing, his stuff. Whole thing, yeah, his, his whole thing's about meaning. You know, if you can, and Frederick Nietzsche said, if you can find meaning in the why, you can always bear the how. You know, and so I believe is if whatever you have, if you like with my anxiety and OC, it doesn't define me. It doesn't make me who I am, you know, that it's something that I have, but it's not something that I am, that I can make the choice to manage it rather than it manage me, you know, and I have tough times, but, you know, there is no perfect life. There is no normal life. We all have something and that it's, it's how you deal with it and, and, uh, and learn to manage it and overcome it. Well, that's the thing. Like you said, there is no perfect life. We all have things. And, you know, some of the 
actions you took, the choices you made, the lessons you learned from both being in the ring and training people is you have a mindset and your mind, a choice of a mindset. And when you choose that mindset, like uh, uh, not quitting, that's a choice, you know, because you can quit um, and, and you don't have to keep going. It's up to you. But making that choice will lead to a different outcome than making the, the choice to quit. Right. So, you know, you have those choices and like you're, you're suggesting to people uh, to make the right choices for their mental health, to get the help, to reach out, to find a way to overcome it uh, with others' help, not by yourself. You don't have to do it all by yourself. Um, right. There's people there for you and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we all need other people in our lives. We can't do it by ourselves. We weren't put here to live by ourselves. We were put here to live with everybody else. Right. You know, and, and if you quit, you're, you know, you're, you're guaranteed not to get any better, you know, but there's always hope, you know, you can always get better. Like, you know, hope is a better stimulus for life than happiness will ever be, you know, that hope is what keeps us going. So, um, if, if, if you're breathing, there's a, you know, you, you can, you have an opportunity to get better, you know, and that's just the way I look at it. I've, I've had the point where, you know, I didn't think it was ever going to end. Like, man, is there, is there any hope? And I'm, I'm so thankful that I kept pushing forward. You know, because again, it proved to myself that you can, I proved I can get better and things do get better. Yeah. And, and also, Craig, and I, I think, you know, not only that, which is true, you also took this uh, struggle that you had and used it as a gift to help others to take right. that, that and become a message to become part of who your, your purpose and mission is, is, is to take this thing that um, was, was troubling you and share it so that others uh, would get stronger and have hope. So that's right. the and other thing, right? Yeah, and, and my accomplishments not, to, I mean, honestly, my accomplishments aren't to toot my own horn. It's to show people you can do the same thing. You know, whatever right. your dreams are, whatever you want to do, you got to put forth the work and the effort, but you can accomplish it. You know I mean? If I can do it, you can do it. You know I mean? It's, it's that simple. I'm no different than anybody else. I just don't quit. You know, the determination, just keep going and you'll get there. I mean, hey, right on 100 yeah. percent. I agree. So, Craig, any uh, as, as we wrap it up, any takeaways, any uh, final messages, any final thoughts you'd like to share with, with the audience? Well, you know, on the mental health aspects, like I'm saying, you know, if, if something's wrong, if there's medication out there to help you, why suffer? You know, there's there's help available. You know, get help. It, it, go to somebody, admit that you have a problem, you know, and, and have courage and and uh, take the steps to get better. Don't turn to alcohol and drugs. It's not going to, it's going to be a, a different problem, um, you know, and, and, and just, just try to find the help you need. And uh, as far as boxing, um, I, I love the sport. I, I think it's, it's a, it's a great sport. You know, uh, it, it becomes a little different when you get in the pros is when things change, but as a, as a mental aspect of it, it did a lot for me. And uh, I just believe that we're here one time. We have one, one time we're here, you know, if people really grasp that. So I want to do everything I can do when, uh, you know, I, I like doing things that are hard because, you know, I don't like doing things that are easy. I like doing things that are hard because when you accomplish them, that's what makes it worthwhile, you know? And so that's what I try to encourage other people to do. If you have a dream, you know, go for it, make calculated decisions, you know, don't just throw caution to the wind, but don't, don't let obstacles. People say obstacles, you know, they're, I have obstacles. I'm like, obstacles are the path. They're not blocking your path. They are the path. And so uh, set out to accomplish it and, you know, Make the best of your life. 
100%, man. 100% agree. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you uh, sharing your story and coming on and I appreciate your courage and your honesty and your, you know, ability to uh, take the things that you uh, were thrown in your life and use them as stepping stones. Um, and, and, you know, I think your message to everybody is powerful. So I hope people check out your book um, and then also check out what you're trying to do with your film in the future. And uh, we'll we'll stay connected. So once again, uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you coming on and sharing this story with everybody. All right, man. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I'm going to I'm going to close out the show now. All right. Thank okay. you, brother. Bye. All right. Yeah, so I hope today's show with Craig inspired you with his commitment to never quit and the lessons that uh, he dealt with of dealing and overcoming mental health challenges. So I think there was a lot of lessons there that we can model and use in our lives. And if you haven't seen the previous 65 podcasts with some of my other amazing courageous friends, you can check them out on YouTube, my Live Courageously uh, YouTube channel. And please take a look at that and then join me every Sunday at 3 p.m. And I have some rather unique friends coming up in the next uh, three weeks. And these are just some of the uh, friends that I have. Ted Shred, an animal trainer, fire eater, Alex Gilpey, Army veteran, Todd Speciali, an entrepreneur, speaker, and just just amazing, great friends of mine who are going to be sharing their stories. And one of the stories, I'm going to be traveling out of the mainland and I'm going to be filming from a location which you'll find out about. So join me every Sunday, 3 p.m. And once again, thank you, everybody, for watching. And thank you, Craig. And uh, until I see you next Sunday, uh, live courageously. <laughs>